coming up, right? Yeah. And that, and I thank the musicians as well. I, uh, yeah, they, they couldn't have done it without you guys. <laughs> thank you, sir. Uh, I need to mention two or three things to you. One, this week on Thursday evening is uh, the night of the Kenya Kids concert up at Cornerstone Church in Madison. Yeah. Uh, Marty Stewart, in con- whoever that is, uh, is in concert. And uh, our own Dr. Doug Beatty is the, the, the founder of uh, Kenya Kids Mission. And so if you would like to support Kenya Kids Mission or if you like Marty Stewart, uh, either one, uh, both of those are good reasons to, to be there on Thursday evening. And then also, uh, our own uh, uh, Seth Harden is having a bake sale today. He's getting ready to go to Australia with YWAM, and if you'll stop by the well and buy something sweet, uh, that'll help him. That'll be sweet. That'll help him. Uh, that'll help him to go over there. And then one other thing: next next Sunday at four o'clock. If you're new and you would like to find out a little bit more about Springhouse, uh, I'll be having. Um, uh, an orientation that day. Um, it'll be in the youth room. I'll, I'll tell you more about that next week. But any of you who are new and would be interested in, uh, in joining the church or just finding out more about the church, uh, or you just want to come hang out with me for an hour, uh, that'll be fine too, uh, 4 o'clock that day. Well, today is actually the last day that uh, we're going to be spending in this series about people encountering Jesus. Of course, it's hard to, to talk about Jesus without talking about people encountering him because that's what it's all about. And, and people, people encountered him quite often. And when I first put this thing together, uh, was putting together the schedule for this year, I had about a six-week block set off for people encountering Jesus and about a six-week block set off for miracles. And somehow or another, the people encountering Jesus turned into eight weeks and, uh, and the miracles would go to four weeks. But here's the deal. Miracles are not nearly as important as people when you get right down to it. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah, that's, that's right. That's right. There's, there's, there's a guy up there. Uh, and uh, so today we're going to end it up with a little tax man in a tree. And uh, of course, all of you know who that is, right? I'm just testing the biblical literacy of the, of the room here. Okay, Zacchaeus. Yeah, of course. Uh, would you stand with me and let's read this passage together. From Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him. Since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Hmm, this doesn't want to. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord. Here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. 
because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save what was lost. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the fact that you came to seek and to save what was lost. And so I pray, Lord God, that everything in this room that has been lost would be restored, would be renewed, would be found this very day, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was a kid, there was a song. And I don't know if they... Do kids still sing this song? They do? This is more popular than Happy Birthday, isn't it? Okay, so we can all do it. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord to see. And when the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down because I'm going to your house for, for tea. Oh, come, well, you see, today is the new one. For tea is the old one. And of course, being, well, it, yes, it was. You know, now I know that that sounds like a British thing, but understand when, when in my day where I was, when I would say 4T, what that meant was something that had been in the refrigerator for at least six days aging and that had at least a cup of sugar for each quart of, of tea that's in there, right? That's, that's that sweet tea that Jesus and Zacchaeus uh, drank together, of course. Uh, and that's why Zacchaeus was so short, because he had drunk that. For much of his life, he, it's, it's done at his growth. <laughs> did, 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 you, uh, did any of you besides myself grow up in a, in a church where you only had, you know, there weren't all that many people and every, every now and then they would bring the kids out uh, during the, the Sunday morning service to sing that song for everybody? I got a couple of serious no's and, and I think I may have heard a yes. It, it was a blast. It was a hoot. As, as a kid, you, you, I mean, you could relate to Zacchaeus, right? Because you were like this. And, uh, and the kids would, would do crazy things, especially when they were talking to Zacchaeus up in that tree. And all the adults would go, oh, this is so much more fun than listening to a sermon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Here's the first point that I wanted to make today. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. Wanted to see him. That was it. That was, that was all we know. You know, almost every famous person that I, have, uh, that I have seen in person up close has been kind of a disappointment. Uh, you know, I don't know, somehow famous people have little bee hands and, and they're just not quite as tall as you thought they were supposed to be and they really don't look as good up close and personal as they do in their, in the, in their famous shots. Uh, I remember in 1968 shaking Richard Nixon's hand and thinking, is that it? Uh, and then uh, later on, when I was at MTSU, we, uh, uh, some, uh, Bob Clement came to visit. And, you know, I mean, nothing against Bob Clement, but man, he's a, little, he's a Zacchaeus kind of guy. I mean, he was, he was a little bitty guy. Uh, and so oftentimes when you see famous people, it doesn't end up, uh, it's, well, 
You know, it's just not, the closer you get, the worse the experience tends to be. I don't think, though, that that's the situation that Zacchaeus ran into with Jesus. And here's the thing. It doesn't say that he wanted to be saved. It doesn't say that he wanted to be redeemed. It doesn't say that he wanted anything. He just wanted to see him. That was it. And that was okay with God. That's a good starting place. He'll let you start there. And I think sometimes we need to realize that that's where people need to start. And that's all, that's all we need to do at this point in time. Is just kind of get out of the way and let them see Jesus. And then the Holy Spirit takes it from there. Jesus said, a lot of you are familiar with the passage of Scripture where Jesus said, but I, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to myself. Do you realize the context in which Jesus said that? Does anybody know the context in which Jesus said that? If you do, man, you get a gold star, I'm just telling you. It's in John chapter 12. And the context is a situation where The triumphal entry had happened, and we don't know if it was the same day or if it was a little bit later in the week or whenever, but some Greeks came to Philip and said, Sir, we want to see Jesus. We want to see him. And Jesus took that occasion to let us know that when he's lifted up, when people see him, he'll draw people to himself. That's what's needed. Well, so Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, uh, but he had a problem. He had several problems. One of the problems that he had was that his wealth couldn't help him, couldn't couldn't get him a ticket to see Jesus. That wasn't going to do it for him. That's not the way that it works with God. It's the way that it works in the world. Does anyone know who this is? Yeah, you probably don't, and you won't know her. Won't know her when I tell you her name either. Her name's Amanda Foot, uh, but you might know her when I tell you what she did. She wasn't famous two weeks ago. Uh, she's not really famous now because you guys don't know who she is. But if you if you search her, for her on the internet, she'll this will be the first picture that will pop up. She is the girl who got in line first at the Fifth Avenue Apple Store to get the iPod two. She did not want an iPod two. She wanted to sell her place in line. Some people have a sense of history about them. They just just get it. They understand. She's a college student, and she wanted to go visit her family in Florida, and she needed $700. And so she thought, if I can go and get first place in line, somebody's going to give me some money for this. And when I first heard about her, uh, it was uh, it was two days. It was on Wednesday. The thing went on sale on on uh, on uh, Friday. It was on Wednesday evening, and she had, she had been offered two hundred bucks at that point in time. Well, she hung around until nine o'clock Friday morning, uh, five o'clock Friday evenings when it when they finally went on sale. At nine o'clock Friday morning, she finally sold her place in line for nine hundred dollars and walked away. Yeah, she's going to Florida. <laughs> See your family. That's the way that it works in the world. But when it comes to God, money won't do you any good. 
I mean, seriously. Now, after you've given your life to God, and, and you know, we talk about tithing and all, that, that's, that's, a, that's a separate thing. Money won't draw, won't get you to God. I, Kevin was saying, you know, when you leave this world, uh, you'll leave with nothing. So, you know, what are you going to bribe God with when you get there? And even if you could leave with something, there's nothing you could take that would get you close to him. So money can't buy me love. It can't buy me influence with God. Not only that, the, the crowd was against him. Uh, how many of you have ever gone out on Black Friday? Yeah. Uh, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> I mean, I really don't because it's, it's nasty. I mean, it really is. You get, you got the, you got the crowd out there and, and you just see things that you don't need to see. Uh, you know, women are out there fighting and stuff and things like that. And people are shoving and people are grabbing things. And, and that's, that's kind of, that's kind of what a, that's kind of what a crowd is like. Uh, it's not just about shopping. Uh, the crowd in general is always against us as a general rule. I was, um, reading again about Jesus before Pilate this week. I'm, I'm doing a, a, a blog through the New Testament this year. And so I came to that portion in, in Mark this week. And one of the things that, uh, one of the things that kind of jumped out at me this time as I was looking at it was the fact that Barab, uh, G, Pilate had the choice of releasing one prisoner at, uh, at Passover time, and he knew, it says, that the only reason that Jesus was brought before him was because the chief priests were, were envious of him. That was it. That was the only thing he was guilty of, was making the chief priest envious. He knew that. And so when he went to the crowd, he was thinking he would release Jesus to them, but they, they wanted Barabbas instead, and Barabbas was, was guilty of insurrection and murder. So that's, he had a reason to be there. Jesus didn't have a reason to be there. But it says that Pilate released Barabbas to them because he wanted to please the crowd. Wonder if it was worth it. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't know, you know, uh, uh, is it, uh, well, throughout a lot of literature, there, there are images of Pilate in hell trying to wash his hands and things like this. I don't know that. I mean, if Pilate repented, he got saved. I'm just telling you right now. God can forgive that. He absolutely can. Uh, I don't know that he did, but if he did, it worked because that's, that's the way the cross is. But, uh, you know, to think I had the opportunity to release an innocent man, much less the son of God, and didn't do it because I wanted to please somebody. That's got to be a pretty heavy load to carry. And the crowd, has the crowd ever influenced you? You, know, you, ever, you ever been with the crowd and found yourself doing something that you would have never done? But the crowd was doing it. You were there. Of course you have. I say, of course you have. There, there may be one or two of us 
And I, I probably shouldn't say us because <laughs> I don't know that I've included in that group. But there may be one or two of us uh, in present in the room that, that had so much leadership in them. Is that, a, is, that a, is that a word? Is that the right word? Yeah, okay. Well, it sounds like it. I mean, you know, whether it's the right word or not, that they were able to, to go against the crowd. But uh, mm, most of the time, the crowd's going to be a problem for you, unless you run with the right crowd. Because you see, it also can work the other way. There are a lot of people sitting in this room who would have fallen away a long time ago if they hadn't have gotten connected to the right crowd that keeps them plugged in to Christ, keeps them encouraged. I've got to, I'm sorry, but I've got to do some, I've got to do some house cleaning up here. I'm going to fall off the stage otherwise. And so I got to, I got to get this back here. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, Now then, where was I? Yeah. And you know, there comes a time when, when you got to just walk away from, from the old crowd and you got to plug in to the new one. So anyway, his money couldn't help him. The crowd couldn't help him. His, uh, his physique was certainly not helping him at all. It was against him. Most of us do not have the, the physicality to be a, a, a pro athlete or, or we don't have the, uh, um, the physicality to be a supermodel or stuff like that. I, I could be a, a supermodel for, uh, <laughs> yeah okay for uh i'll think about that uh and some have been kept away from jobs because of our age or because of our weight or because of our looks but our physical attributes cannot keep us away from god for nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of Christ. And so this, this, this little short guy who his money couldn't help him and the crowd was against him and, and, and his physique was against him, found a friend in a tree and he climbed a tree. Aren't trees wonderful things? I, I don't want to spend a lot of time going there because that's a, that's kind of a bunny trail, but I love trees. Uh, and, you know, if you hug trees, you'll get scratched. But, but I do love them. I, 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 like, I like looking at them and climbing them and just smelling of them and petting them. We got some little trees in the yard that we planted a few years ago, and I just, I just touch them when I walk by them and go, God bless you, tree. You grow. Uh, and so Zacchaeus climbed up in this tree because he wanted to see Jesus. But here's the deal. Oh, oh. Once he got up there and Jesus came by, he discovered that Jesus wanted to see Zacchaeus. See, no matter how much we want God, we always have to be aware that he wants us more than we want him. And if we don't want God at all, we still need to be aware he still wants us. It doesn't say that Zacchaeus even wanted Jesus. He just wanted to see him. And, and the truth of the matter is, that's really kind of the way that it is with most all of us. I mean, you know, we think we want God, but 
<laughs> you know, you start getting a little close and it, it gets hot in the room. It really does. And, and so for the most part, we just kind of like to see him. But man, he wants so much more than that. I mean, he came and this is, a, this is a time, I mentioned this over in the, uh, the, the, uh, the incident of Jesus meeting the woman at the well of Samaria where God gave Jesus a, a word of knowledge. God gave Jesus a word of knowledge here. I mean, for him to, to stop under that tree and go, Zacchaeus, you come down. I need to go to your house today. I mean, there was no reason for him to know, first of all, that Zacchaeus was up in that tree, and second of all, that his name was Zacchaeus, and third of all, that he had a house, and that he was going to, they needed to go and eat with him that day. Uh, none of those things. God just, God just gave that to him. And, and here's, you know, here's the other thing. God really does know everything about us. He really, the hairs of your head really are numbered when you get right down to it. There's, there's nothing that he doesn't know about you. If he, if there's anything God doesn't know about you, and I've heard people sometimes kind of brush that off and go, well, well, you know, Jesus was just using hyperbole there when he said that, that the hairs of your head were numbered. He didn't really mean that. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Because if God doesn't know that, then he doesn't know everything. He's not omniscient. Omniscient means he knows everything. Everything that there is to know. So he knows everything about you. And when Jesus came by, I love the fact that he didn't just say, Hi, Zacchaeus, my man up there. Hey, it's good to see you, bud. I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're in the tree today. You know, he didn't just say hi. He said, I'm, I'm going to your house. When we were in Zimbabwe, we, uh, we learned, <laughs> you know, down here, uh, at least when I was growing up, uh, it's kind of changed a little bit now, but when, when I was growing up down here, pretty often you'd hear, well, almost every time that you would see somebody that you knew, or if you'd been to their house and you were leaving and everything, you'd say, y'all come now. Y'all come see us. Yeah. Well, we learned in Zimbabwe, because right here, y'all come tends to mean a little bit kind of like, how you doing? Which means it means nothing, really. But, but, in, but there, if you said to somebody, y'all come, they would. And they weren't just coming for tea. Oh, no. No, y'all come means if you need a place to live... Come stay at our place. And very often people would go, well, you know, I'd like to do that. And so you learn pretty quickly. You learn pretty quickly. You need to, you need to mean what you say and, and, and say what you mean. Uh, you know, we often want to just say hi to Jesus on Sundays. It's a good time to say hi to Jesus. You know, I need to go say hi to Jesus this week. Because he, he, might, he might wonder where I've been. He might miss me. <laughs> but we just want to say hi to him. And that's about it. Jesus said over in John chapter 14, verse 23, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him, and will make our home with him. Jesus was saying this in response 
to a question that one of the disciples had given to him. Because Jesus had said that he was going to show himself to the disciples, but not to the world. And so he was asked, why is it that you're going to show yourself to us, but not to the world? And this was Jesus' answer. And it's one of those things that if you just blow by it, you kind of go, that's an answer? But yes, that is an answer. He answered the question very specifically. And what it means is, if I don't come and make my home, if I don't live with you, I can't show myself to you. You can't really see Jesus with, hi, there he is over there. It's hard to see Jesus and keep him at arm's length at the same time. He wants to come and have tea with us today and tomorrow and all the rest of the days and everything else that we're going to have. This, this, This God that we have, this God that we serve wants an intimate relationship with us because he wants us to know him. And so Jesus invites himself over to Zacchaeus' house, uh, which kind of reminds me of when we first met Peter and Jane McKenzie. Uh, We met them at church. We were in in Zimbabwe. This is uh, met them at church uh, on one Sunday, and then the next Monday, they uh, popped up around, around 10 o'clock that morning and said, just want to let you know that we're coming over for tea this afternoon. We'll see you at four. And they left. And we went, oh, okay. I guess it's a good thing they told us. Uh, but that's the way God is. God invites himself right in. He want, he's going to make himself at home with you. And, and if you don't, I mean, he's not, he'll let you start with just, I want to see Jesus. He'll let you start wherever it is you got to start. But you got to understand that when you get in this relationship, he's going to get pushy. Because that's what you give him permission to do when you say, be my Savior and my Lord. Wants to get to know you. Well, as soon as this happened... The people begin to mutter. People seem to mutter more than marvel at the things that Jesus did, or at least as much. And we continue to do that. I mean, it happened all the time. When Jesus fed the 5,000, and the next day they came asking for more bread, and he said, sure, I got bread for you. Here I am. I am the bread of heaven. It says they begin to grumble among themselves. And the next thing he had to say to them was, stop grumbling. You're grumbling because I said I'm the bread of heaven. When Jesus healed a man born blind, when he healed the, 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 the man with the withered hand, when he released the, the woman who had been bent over for, for years and years, they grumbled and complained. This man can't be from God. He doesn't keep the Sabbath. I mean, he just opened the eyes of a blind man and healed a a guy's withered hand and and raised this woman up who had been, but oh no, uh, no, we're we're not happy about that. We got, we got something to, to grumble and complain about. When, when Lazarus died and Jesus came to the, to the wake and he was, and he was crying, you know, people were going, well, that's pretty nice, but you know, he could have been here earlier and done something about this. Let's, let's grumble, shall we? 
And so now he's, he's inviting uh, himself to Zacchaeus' house. And at the very least, they could have, you know, the, the ones who really had it, the ones who were really with it could have probably gone, wow, this is incredible. I mean, if that guy can get saved, anybody can get saved. This is just a wonderful thing that's God, that God's doing. But if they couldn't go there, at least they could have gone, well, it's about time somebody got some of that guy's food. Because he's a thief and a robber and we don't like him. But no, they were just going, he's a sinner. And he's gone to his house to eat instead of to my house to eat. We tend to be happy to see the right people saved. And some of us are happy to see anybody saved. But after they get saved, we complain if they don't start to look like us. If their, if their pace of change isn't what it should be, what we think it should be. Back in the, uh, back in the early 80s, there was a, an album by a guy named Steve Taylor called I Want to Be a Clone. And, uh, and I, thought, I thought this guy was a prophetic voice. To, and, he, and he was. In fact, I'd gone through so much other stuff that walking down the aisle was tough, but now I find that's not enough I want to be a clone. Their language, it was new to me, but Christianese got through to me. Now I can speak it fluently. I want to be a clone. Be a clone and kiss conviction good night. Cloneliness is next to godliness, right? I'm grateful that they showed the way because I could never know the way to serve him on my own. Send in the clones. The good news is that people don't have to look like us. People don't have to look like me. We used to have a guy trying to remember his name because it's been over 10 years. It's been quite a while uh, since he was here. I think his name was Chris. But he had gotten saved, and, and he had all, the, and he had, uh, all these tattoos. Uh, and he, was it Chris? Chris. Yeah. And, and nobody told him that you, that you weren't supposed to wear shorts when you serve communion at, at church. Uh, and so, you know, you could, and, he, and a lot of his tattoos were on his legs and things. I loved it when he served communion. I thought, this is great. This is wonderful. He, he doesn't look like some of us. And that's the way that it should be. You know, the wonderful thing about heaven is that heaven isn't going to probably look like anybody here can imagine it's going to look like. It, it, it's going to look like, I mean, if you take everything that everybody here can imagine and put it together, it still won't be there. And that's a good thing. Uh, back in the, in the 70s, I think it was, was that when Hal Lindsey did his late great planet Earth thing? Book? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you guys know the Zacchaeus song, but you don't know late great planet Earth? Okay. Anyway, it, it, was, it was sort of a commentary on Revelation and I remember one of the things that he was saying was, you know, and I was reading it and I was kind of thinking, I'm digging this. This is pretty good. And it came along. And then he said that he felt like that in heaven there would be country music. And I went, ah! <laughs> oh, no. This man cannot be from God. You know, and, and for, for, for some of you, you'd be kind of going, you don't like country music? Uh, 
Well, I, yeah, I mean, I like it. I just don't want it in heaven all the time. <laughs> I think heaven's going to be filled with Celtic music. The pipes, ah, yes, and, and the whistles, bring them. But, you know, some of you might not dig that. That's, that's, your, that's okay. But you know what? It's going to be filled with music like we've never heard before. It's going to be filled with colors like we've never seen before. It's going to be filled with a variety that none of us can possibly imagine here. But I would like to be able to imagine it. I would. I, I, you know what? Most of you people are weird. And I like that. I like it. It's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, some of you are weirder than others. Uh, Part of the genius of the gospel is that it's not tied to a culture. It's not tied to a tradition. It's not tied to a race. It's not tied to a profession. It, it, it's not tied to any of those things. It can, it, 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 what is the word? It supersedes, it transcends. It transcends all of that. You become, you become a Muslim, and there's a culture attached to it. You become a Hindu, there's a culture attached to it. Quite frankly, you, you, you become a Jew, there's a culture attached to it. The gospel, there is no culture. It's whosoever will. We have tried to, 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 to attach a culture to it at times, and, and woe is us for having done so. But the truth of the matter is, uh, we weren't ever supposed to export culture. We're just supposed to export the gospel. Eternal life. Well, meeting Jesus changed Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus started out just wanting to see him. Found out that Jesus wanted to do a little more than that. Zacchaeus was willing to go there, and his life got changed. Meeting Margaret changed my life. Oh, yeah, I do look pretty good there, don't I? Uh, <laughs> changed my life. I mean, before I met Margaret, I, I, I didn't eat, I ate peanut butter <laughs> that was, and fried chicken. Peanut butter and fried chicken and hamburgers. That was about it. You know, I mean, she, uh, I, then I began to, you know, she introduced me to, to, to uh, Chinese food and Italian food and, and all kinds of things like that. And I began to kind of like that sort of stuff. And, and, and meeting Margaret changed me from a boy into a man in a bunch of ways. There's a, and begin to help me see a bunch of things that I had never seen before. There are people that you meet that change your life, right? I mean, some of you are sitting beside somebody who has changed your life. Almost all of you have probably could point to somebody in this room who, who has changed your life. But... There's nobody changes your life the way Jesus does when you meet him. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And I remember it. I remember it so clearly. I, I remember, I mean, I hadn't necessarily read this verse, but I, I remember the Sunday that I gave my life really to the Lord. First thing I noticed when I walked outside was this Wow, this looks good. Look at that. That that grass. That's green. That, that now that's green grass. That really is. Oh, well, I don't know what I was seeing before, but that's green. 
You know, that, now that's a blue sky there. That, that really is. White was just as white, you know, and blacks were blacks. It's just uh, the colors were different and everything. And then I began to realize that my tastes were different. The things that I used to want to do, eh, meh, just didn't appeal to me anymore. And the things that I didn't want to do, you know, one of the things that, that kind of kept me from coming back to the Lord, <clears throat> and some of you have heard my testimony, but uh, was when I really became convinced that, that the Bible was true and the Lord was the Lord, one of the things that was keeping me away was, oh God, I don't want to go to church. Those people, so boring. And that changed. I mean, that was a Sunday morning, and guess where I was Sunday night? Anybody? <laughs> yeah, I was back at church. And I, and I couldn't wait to see those people. I couldn't wait to be with them. The, 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 things, that, the things that used to really excite me, and in fact, uh, you know, I wish God had taken all of them away, but a lot of them just went, bam, they were gone. Meeting Jesus changes us. Jesus said to everybody when they were grumbling, this man too is the son of Abraham. The son of man came to seek and to save what was lost. God is going to, and I believe, you know, I'm not a universalist. I don't believe everyone is going to be saved. But I do believe God's going to save everybody who can be. I do believe that he will do that. I believe that from the bottom of my heart. I don't think he sent his son to die on the cross so that he could send some people to hell. He sent his son to die on the cross so that he could keep some people from going to hell. That's, that's what that's all about. But when Jesus said that he came to seek and to save that which was lost, I don't think he's just talking about salvation. He's talking about whatever's been lost. And so where I want to go with this is what's been lost? What's, what's been lost in your life? You know, if you're, if you're real young, there may not be, you might not be able to think of much at this point in time. Or maybe you can. You know, maybe, maybe something has happened and you know that you've already lost a great deal. But, but most of us, you know, who've been around for a while, there's some, there's some dreams, some aspirations, there's some, there's some places that we should have and didn't. There are places that we shouldn't have and did. And things have been lost. Things have fallen away. And the news this morning is, uh, it doesn't have to stay that way. Those things aren't necessarily lost forever. I was reading a, a quote the other day. The best time to plant an oak tree is 25 years ago. <laughs> Second best time is today. Whatever has been lost in your life, 
whatever the regrets are, whatever the opportunities, you know, that, that particular opportunity may not come back, or maybe it's been coming back and you just thought it was gone, lost. I believe that what God wanted me to say today was that he wants to restore some lost things that some people have here. Would you stand with me? All I once held dear Built my life upon All this world reveres And wars to own All I once thought gain I have counted loss Spent and worthless now Compared to this Knowing you, Jesus Knowing you There is no greater thing that song in a key, you can play it in, and uh, we'll, if you need prayer, you come, if you've lost something, you'd like it back, you want it back, it might be a relationship, it might be a, a talent, it might be health, it might be any number of things, you come, God, God wants to restore some stuff.
God and Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who sent his Son into the world so that we might know him. May he restore everything in your life that has been stolen from you. May he renew, may he redeem, may he repristinate all of the things in your life that need it. And may you take that glory and make him visible to those around you. In Jesus Christ, our Lord.